Welcome to How Story Works from Chipperish Media. I'm concept developer, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert, Lonnie Diane Rich. We have structured How Story Works conversations to include instructional fix-it interview and FAQ episodes. Today's episode is a fix-it, where we watch a movie, discuss it, and use narrative theory to fix it. Today, we're going to use narrative theory to fix the 2018 adventure comedy Game Night with our special guest, writer, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions and co-host of the Marvel Cinema. Cinematic Universe podcast, Listen Up A-Holes, Joshua Unruh. Story is power. We don't leave power on the table. So let's get to work. All right, everybody, we are here with another Fix It episode, this time looking at Game Night with my co-host of Listen Up A-Holes, Joshua Unruh. Josh, thanks so much for joining us here on How Story Works Conversations. Hey, thanks for accepting when I slid up into your DMs and was like, I want to be on an episode of How Story Works Fix It. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, Game Night. Great. Here's Game Night. And now we're all like, great news. Josh is here to talk about Game Night because Kelly doesn't want to... Yeah, I'm very glad to talk to you. So like, I'm really glad you're here for this because my game plan is to listen to like the two of you say smart things because I got nothing. Um, (laughs) Kelly has never cared about a movie less than she cares about game night. Ever. Uh, But it's like, I did want to just point out that I think it is valid to say, like, that doesn't mean the movie's bad. Right. It just yeah. means I'm not the audience for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do appreciate Lonnie making me, you know, she's like, oh, pick a movie. I know, I know, I know. Completely silly comedy. And go. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Lonnie. So, yes. but it'll be fun to listen to y'all. So, Josh, I'm really glad you're here. <laughs> I'm here to help. I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of it. I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go ahead and start with what we know about fixing a story using narrative theory. When you are fixing a story, the most important thing is to preserve what the story intended to do and what it did well. So you start with the positives and you guard the positives. So even if a story isn't something that you appreciate if you are there to fix it if that is your job then you need to preserve what it is that that story is intending to do and the audience that they're intending to build for Um, also fixing with narrative theory is not a paint by numbers process you don't just run through the rules of narrative theory and apply them you utilize narrative theory to fix what is broken while preserving what works and sometimes things that violate the rules of narrative theory are not necessarily a problem when fixing you go by the old saw if it ain't broke don't fix it. So that is how we approach all of our Fix It uh, episodes. Today, we are talking about Game Night. It was released on February 23rd, 2018. The writer is Mark Perez and the directors, which is unusual. I usually don't see more than one name directing are John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Um, All right. So the first thing that we're going to start out to talk about is uh, what the story did well. What did it set out to do. And, um, you know, Joshua and I have, have had some differing opinions on this. So we're going to go ahead and hash this out. I kind of <laughs> feel like game night is just meant to be really fun. It's silly. It's over the top. And it plays with some fun ideas. But I, I didn't really find like a deep meaning underneath. But Joshua, I think that you see a little more there than I do. No, I do. I do think that there are a couple of things 
like thematic thing. Deep is maybe not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> right? Deep is probably, yeah. mm, but thematic uh, things, some thematic things sure. that are happening. So mm-hmm. I think that this movie is trying to actually kind of demonstrate a few life lessons. And I think they're pretty good life lessons by and large. So mm-hmm. the first one is, I think that this movie really is meant to show that uh, like the power of friendship can overcome mm-hmm. even the most ridiculous and dangerous circumstances, right? Oh, um, well, Aww. I really because look at the thing. Everybody, the at, real danger was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or in this case, the friends we showed up with at the beginning, right? Right. But the thing yeah. is, they do kind of start out as very close friends, but it's like a mm-hmm. close friendship that they don't talk about. Like it's just kind of mm-hmm. there and taken for granted. But as the movie progresses, yeah. there's more than one moment where people are given the opportunity to bail out and they do not. And at one yes. point, there's a big moment where they're like, no, this is this is the best part of our week. We love you. Why would we go anywhere else? Right. Except the Irish woman who doesn't know them at all. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to hang out. Even okay. Though, even though we're going to get shot at and whatever. And this guy I'm with is a fucking idiot. OK, thing. but can we high five that she ended that with the actual most honest, best reason for staying when she goes? Plus, yes. plus, if I read the papers tomorrow and you were all dead, I'd feel like a real shit. I'd feel really bad. <laughs> See, I had hoped I was hoping that she was actually a bad guy. Oh, undercover. yeah. Like she was way too cool. That would have broke my heart. She was. She was. <laughs> All right. So Kelly, what do you think Game Night set out to do? Um, I think it was supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> The shade of it all. Oh, it is a lot of shade. <laughs> it's supposed to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I. Okay. I honestly don't know. I mean, you know, so maybe the the idea was to take like the competitiveness and the ritual aspect of gaming mm-hmm. for you know people who do that on a regular basis, which I do think they did a good job with yeah. of like the importance of that. And then push it out to the extreme, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where comedy can right. go mm-hmm. to talk about, okay, what happens when game night gets hella out of control, you know, or or game night becomes something, you know, bigger or scarier or whatever. Um, yeah, but mostly it's just <laughs> for me, I'm like, really? Uh, Y'all, I have no sense of humor. It's just, it's yes, just how it is. Yes, you do. And you're hilarious. <laughs> I will not hear that from you. All right. So let's go on to the second thing we want to talk about, which is what was good from this movie. Now, I I enjoy this movie in like a generalized way. If I never saw it again, I wouldn't have, I think, a moment in my life where I'm like, God, you know, I'm really in the mood to watch Game Night. I don't think I'd go there. Um, but, you know, watching it, like, I think it's it's fun. There are some things that are funny that are amusing. I, I really, really like the actors. I like the cast yes, in this. I think yes. that they're mm-hmm. fantastic. I love Jason yeah. Bateman. I got a soft spot for him. I like Rachel McAdams. Um, I love Lamorne Morris, who plays Kevin. He is a um i like kyle chandler i don't like him in this but we'll get to that when we talk about what's not great um so we're talking about what's good um i like max and annie you know the couple they are based in their competitive nature that pulls them together rather than this typical i'm hot you're hot being the basis of the relationship that we really have things about who they are as people that pulls them together um of course you know how i am i love a relationship where people have to work well together and i think that they work well together and yet when they are competing with each other 
they will completely destroy each other if they can. Um, so I kind of like that. Um, I like Sarah, Ryan's Irish date. He is unbelievably unworthy of her. Um, and I, I hate him. Um, but I absolutely like love, love her. And there's some things that I liked. Like I, I liked it for some reason, the, despite the fact that it was really, really gross, the taking the bullet out in the alleyway scene. <laughs> And her like being like, well, I couldn't find any hard liquor, but I brought you this lovely Chardonnay, you know, um, all of that stuff and the way that they work so well together. I mean, I don't for a moment believe that he's actually shot because I don't think that Jason Bateman at any point during this movie, I think he has that that thing where people don't feel pain. Because he's been shot through the arm and he's just like, well, I've yeah. been shot. And then he's bleeding all over and he seems fine. Like he uses his arm just fine. Later, it gets a knife in the bullet wound and it's really, really gross and it's really awful. So like I hate the blood and the guts and the and all of that. But I love the two of them working together and she's got her phone and she's using her nose to like... <laughs> read it i you know i thought that was funny i thought that the fabergé egg keep away game was was fun and it was really fun to see them all work together that way so there were some of these things some of these adventure moments that i really did enjoy um joshua what you got for what's uh what's good in this i have a lot of overlap with you honestly yes. because mm -hmm. max and annie are very very good together mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um and actually that that i kind of had a a much subtler like secondary theme that I think they play yes. into which is most of the time when we see hyper competitive people in stories that fucks them up right like yes. but in this yes. case the moral of the story is your competitiveness yeah, is bad yeah it's yeah. don't mm -hmm. be hyper competitive which I think hyper we're going to throw the word on there sure. usually bad it honestly right. but mm -hmm. in in these two people's case like it works and it doesn't just work for them individually, but it works for them together, which is, again, yes. just very mm -hmm. atypical from the message we usually get about hyper competitive. Mm -hmm. So that's very cool. Um, I also like how Max's hyper competitiveness is wrapped up in his brother. I think that's really yes. good uh, mm -hmm. because because I think some of that power of friendship over your blood relatives who may or may not be great, you know? Mm -hmm. So so factoring that in and giving him like an actual reason to be that competitive, like a character reason and kind of, and since he's the only one, we don't hear about uh, Annie's reasons. That's why mm -hmm. I think it's kind of more central, right. you know, to, mm -hmm. to the story. Um, I love this super close friend group. I mean, I kind of, you know, tip my hands with the stuff that I thought it did well, but I love yes. this super mm -hmm. tight friend group who just knows each other really well. And that, um, yeah, it's just, that's, so much of the comedy from this thing came from them knowing each other and yeah. um and both when they were working against one another and when they were working mm -hmm. together right yeah yeah and it's fun to see them too like compete with each other but then all pull together when they need to all pull together right once they realize mm -hmm. it ain't what they thought it was now we're right. now we're all in the same squad and and they mm -hmm. that that transition is effectively seamless like in fact right. they're actually mm -hmm. kind of more inept when they're competing against each other than when oh, they yeah. finally come together so that's very oh, cool yeah. i don't know if this counts as story stuff but like the cinematography in this movie is friggin' fantastic it is it's really nicely directed i will say that yeah mm -hmm. and same on the casting side like the casting is yeah. just 
uh, top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. like uh, I I do not know her name, but the woman that plays Sarah, the Irish date, I was like, I feel like I need to watch more shit with her in it. Like I just she's need... from Catastrophe, <laughs> which is fantastic. I haven't watched a lot of it, but it's I, what I watched. I thought was good, and I've heard really great things about it. So there's a show called Catastrophe that you can look up. She's in that. Excellent. She's fantastic. Yeah. And so my last thing, and I'm just gonna say this is it's it's good enough. Like this is not me casting shade. It's good. So I want it to be here, but it's only yes. good enough, and I want to make it great. So we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. But the lesson that Max learns through this whole yes. thing about. Um, like his relationship to his brother and competitiveness in general and stuff. Mm-hmm. That lesson is good. It gets wrapped up in some of the bad stuff. It and... does get wrapped up in some of the bad stuff, but I like the idea of yes, it. Like the idea that, is that is something that he needs to overcome. I think having a place for a character arc to go is absolutely a good thing. Um, Kelly Jones, if you got nothing, it's okay. You can always no, pass. I do have something because I have a generous spirit. Um, I did. I did really like Annie and Max's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, One of the things that I liked about it, you know, we talk a lot about like the difference between a romance and a love story. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, you know, we look at a lot of romantic comedy, Mm -hmm. but this to me was like a love story comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I really appreciated the fact that they were super competitive. They were never mean to each other. Mm -hmm. They were never dismissive of each other. They were on the same team, like even though competing in their, you know, all their different games as part of that, they still have each other's backs all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciated that. And like, I like the bookend opening and closing with like the proposal. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, on charades and then like announcing the the baby on the charades. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was cute. I like that they met at Trivia because that was something they yes. were both genuinely yeah, interested mm-hmm. in. You know, they were doing what they liked mm-hmm. when they met each other. And then they, you know, so it, like I, I really bought into their relationship, which yeah. was really kind of cool. Um, and then I got a big kick out of the Fabergé egg keep away game yeah. because I just kept picturing the chipperish version. <laughs> um, because y'all do not want me on your team. Like if it's keep away time. You don't want to throw anything my way. I will miss it or I will drop it. Um, But I did get kind of a kick out of thinking about all of us like Mm -hmm. trying to do something like this. Like it would be it would be damn funny. It would be hilarious. Well, maybe when we finally get ChipperCon put together, we can do it with a football. So nothing will get hurt, but we'll just try well, it. Yeah. See no one will get hurt. Way. I like that optimism. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the stuff in this movie that is not that great. Um First of all, I think that this is absolutely a case example for what happens when writers become too married to the idea of a twist in how story works. I've talked about this. I've talked about this in a lot of other podcasts that we fetishize as writers in in culturally, at least in the West, like we fetishize the twist. I blame M. Night Shyamalan. I think that this dates back to the I see dead people bullshit, um, which actually was a good twist and it works really well. But the problem is, is that people, writers kind of fall in love with the, ooh, Ooh, there's this big surprise and you know what great if you can pull it off great um, but you have to have something that works within the story that once the twist is twisted that if we go back through the rest of the story and look at it nothing is inconsistent you haven't lied about anything um, but this is also twist on top of twist on top of twist until finally at the end 
it's a Gordian knot of what the fuck. Like mm-hmm. you've no idea. <laughs> I don't know which was Gary. And then and then on top of that to be like, oh yeah, no, I just made this, you know, I made it all up, blah, blah, blah. Oh, just kidding, but wouldn't that be funny? Like, oh fuck off. You guys do not get to do this at the end of this movie. Um, so at the point where Gary set it up. And it was all a joke and whatever. I'm like, or it was all to get him back into game night. That At that point, I'm like, all right, fine. That's your twist. Then we get like three more <laughs> twists after that. And Gary gets yeah. actually shot. Like, it's all like, I'm so, I'm still, I've seen this movie like three or four times. I'm still so fucking confused by the whole thing. I think it's way too much. It goes way overboard. And it's really, really hard to like pull back on that. Especially because I was feeling bad for Gary. Yeah. I was like, oh, poor Gary. Like, he wants to be in the thing. And then he got shot, and I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. But no, it was fake shot. But then he got real but, shot. And by then, I was like, all right, I'm done. And then I didn't this care. Like, somebody right. that would yeah. pretend to shoot themselves to scare the shit out of their friends. Although, yeah. I will say, these guys are assholes to Gary. Like, they yeah. are so fucking shitty to him oh well let's have a chat about that let's have a chat about that okay because gary is one of the things so like in my note i say gary is good but then circles back around to terrible but i want to salvage him okay (laughs) okay and i do think that we start in a good place with him because whether it's Mm -hmm. a divorce or a breakup like you know like a dating couple breaking up or you know just something that kind of splits Mm -hmm. a friend group a little bit. I think we have all been there where we were like, okay, look, (laughs) uh, let's just lay this on the table. I was really only putting up with that person because I liked their significant (laughs) other. (laughs) Anybody who- I like Debbie, yeah. Anyone who is claiming they have not had that moment in their lives is a liar. Like that has happened to everybody. And Gary is creepy and weird and, and- so I'm fine. I really like where they start with him, that they're trying to salvage his feelings, but they also don't want to spend any extra time with him. Because let's all be honest, friends. We don't have to spend time with people just because we have for a really long time. And if they're no fun and weird, maybe it's time to bail. And if the f- it's fine. It's fine. But I do want to salvage him. Because I think, mm-hmm. I think that if Gary had put all those pieces together and come to help them anyway, and it wasn't some ridiculous serial killer wall plot. Right. That would have been amazing. Because then we would have been like, oh, you are our actual real friend. Uh, Yeah. And we have been wrong. But there's also got to be, I mean, I feel like at that point we can have a conversation about, okay, look, you, you got shot for us. You saved our lives. We really appreciate you. We have to be honest. You're kind of weird. Can we meet in the middle? Right. Right. Well, uh, yeah. But see, that's the thing. Like, if they were honest with him and they were like, you're you're making us uncomfortable. Like, if they sat down and talked with him and said, you know, we've talked about this. You can't come to game night because. But instead, they're lying to him. They're, you know, I mean, it's just it's mean. I'm not saying it's nice. The way that they lie to him is just mean. And I don't think like, you know, there's this idea that they're lying to him because that's salvaging his feelings it has nothing to do with his feelings they're hurting his feelings more they're be they're lying to him because they're cowards and they won't actually talk to him and say hey you have these behaviors that have caused a problem in game night and so we're asking you not to come like that i would have had no problem with 
But the way that they lie to him, it's just, I don't, I don't like it. I think it's just mean. I'm not arguing that it's nice. I am, however, arguing that it's very realistic. <laughs> well, reality is yeah, no defense and, for fiction. Well, yeah, I think most people try to avoid those difficult yeah. conversations and they hope that Gary will get the hint. Yeah. And Gary, like, clearly goes, is not going to get Not a dude that clearly gets Clearly is not. You know, and, but yeah. people people can't respect your boundaries if you don't express your boundaries. Yes, so, exactly. You know, hoping he'll figure out that they don't want to hang out with him anymore is not the same thing as telling him. But then I was feeling a little bad for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, yeah. You know, I don't I don't want to go to coffee with the guy because he's he's a little he's weird and he's creepy. A little, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a little much. Yeah. Um, but I was feeling kind of bad for him. And then when he showed up, I was like, Joshua, I was really hoping he was genuinely there to help. Like, right. Yes. You know, he had the investigative skills. Yeah. He, it would have been believable mm-hmm. that he had figured out what was going on. Right. But instead, we have this like obsessive stalking, pretending to get shot, scare, cruelty, not to mention the fact that there's so many things that could have gone wrong yeah. and gotten people genuinely yeah. hurt. Um. And then, you know, then when he turned around and got shot for real, I was like, oh, thank God, whatever, I'm done. I was just, like, as soon as he got shot for real, I was like, no, no, you don't like, you take. And the thing is that there's this point where Jason Bateman says, pick a tone and stick with it. What? Right. Yeah. You know, and I was like, hey, take your own goddamn advice. This movie is all over the place because they just want to twist and they want to twist and they want to twist. Mm-hmm. And after a while, it's just so goddamn exhausting. Yeah. So it reminds me like I wondered if they were going for that super fun energy that you get at the end of Clue mm-hmm. oh sure because I love yeah. that like you're running around undoing all the twists and this and no it's actually this and this and that and it's it works beautifully in Clue right. and, and it felt like they were going for that here but this was a hot mess of an ending it is it's an absolute mess um, I am also like uh, to say I'm not a fan of the fertility storyline, I think is a little bit, <laughs> a little bit mild for how I feel about the fertility storyline. I hate this storyline. Um, I hate the storyline because if you're going to talk about fertility, then you got to earn it by actually talking about fertility, using fertility issues as a, you know, as a, as a plot device, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this whole thing, like we're relating mm-hmm. his sperm count to his brother, like no, like I'm sure that stress has an effect on sperm count maybe or whatever, but that's not what this movie is talking about. He does have this relationship with his brother that is a problem. It's a problem because it's a problem, not because of his sperm count and not because they're trying to have a baby. Like that is a completely different thing. And I feel like it just does not belong in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I hated it too. It felt like it, it doesn't fit Mm -hmm. and they make, when you turn something like that into a joke, yeah, um, it without the you know, like you were saying, without earning it, it just doesn't fit. Yeah, and there was plenty to work yeah. with with his brother. Yeah, without that, now, like, and I will say, okay, there was one line in the movie I did like. Okay, hold oh, on, yeah. everybody, batten down the hatch. My sperm are fine. Is it my sperm are fine? No, oh, okay, it has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with yeah. the fertility thing. I just there was one line I appreciated from Max's brother when he was like coming clean uh-huh. and saying, "Oh, I'm actually just like a criminal. I've never been a successful yeah. businessman." And Max is like, "You bought stock in Panera," and he's like. <laughs> I ate it, Panera. <laughs> that that line was I funny. Like that one I will too. give that line credit. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, there was there was plenty to work with with the brother. Uh-huh. 
there was no need for the fertility they, it just made no sense. Like, again, it was too much. They're just trying to put too much in this movie. Yeah, I absolutely think so. And Josh, the fertility doctor. I also share the opinion that the fertility subplot is total garbage. I mm-hmm. it, it would be garbage even if it weren't one more thing in an overstuffed suitcase. But the like, right. it would be bad anyway. But now it's also like one more thing. And it's such an obvious cut because it's really bad. That yeah. I don't know how it got here. Yeah. The the fertility doctor. Because no women read the script, I'm guessing. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. I mean, because the fertility doctor is also like oh, not God. funny. Oh no, and yeah, she wants no. this brother, and she's like, yeah, what, what? is? How is that what? professional? No. How is that? If your doctor asks you to set her up with your brother, like that's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. super gross. God. It's really like unethical. And then she winds mm-hmm. up actually dating him like she's there at his house while he's on house arrest at yeah. the end. And I was like, this is not a bookend we required, friends. And has not nope. changed at all or grown at all. So, yeah, no, the Brooks character is, is a real problem. I like Kyle Chandler, but I'm not a fan of the whole Brooks character. Um, So, like... Max's source of vulnerability being this feud with his brother, I think has potential. I think the way that it's it's executed here is where where my problem is, especially because it's all tied up into this fertility thing. Um, so I'm I'm not. I think that that needs some work. I hate 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 Ryan. I hate everything around yes, Ryan yeah. so much. Um, I hate mocking these, you know, young blonde women like as just she's they're stupid because they're Instagram models and all this kind of stuff. Um, the idea of, of deeply associating beauty and stupidity, I think, are is really annoying and essentially misogynistic. Uh, but then he finally gets a woman like to go on this date with him who is awesome. And he is not worthy of her. They don't arc him anywhere that makes him eventually worthy of her. I don't like what they do with Ryan and then all the women with Ryan. I actually really like her and I would like for her to be part of the group, like kicking Ryan out. <laughs> That's right. Ryan, I'm sorry. Yes. She could take Ryan's place. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, listen, yeah. Um, Gary's back and... <laughs> we like your not really girlfriend better. I'm afraid. I'm afraid you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to take a seat. I'm afraid We're you're not take Sarah welcome. And send you home. Exactly. Yeah. He's just such a. There's nothing to that character. Yeah, that's. True. At least he did call. At one point, he called himself out. Like he did mm-hmm. something, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just a dick." And I was like, yeah. "Thank you for defining your terms." At least he because, knew. Yes. Right. You know. So the, the self awareness gets him a little bit. <laughs> No, gets him was a little bit. Um, one of the other big problems that uh, I've identified here is that we spend forever getting the central narrative conflict off of the ground. This is something we're going to talk about when we apply narrative theory. But the first half hour is just establishing all the characters and their competitive nature and their backgrounds and all of that stuff. And then tell your story walking people. There are so many people who are like, well, you have to spend this time establishing it. Then you can start your story. No, you can actually do two things at the same time and you should because this is way way too much then we spend forever getting the central nerve conflict just launched but the engage with the conflict is halfway in it's 45 minutes before they Mm. know that they're there Mm -hmm. to fight the people who are you know kidnapping brooks so um yeah so that the structurally it's a big mess um i think that the movie relies way way too much on coincidence 
Um, you know, there's a moment when when Max lampshades it by saying, oh, and these Bulgarians just happen to grab you the night of your murder mystery party. I mean, just lampshading it and being aware to like let everybody know that you as a writer are aware of it is not an okay. It doesn't make it okay. You got to fix it. If you're aware of it as the writer and you don't fix it, but you put a lampshade on it, does not make me feel any better about you as a writer. Uh, It actually makes me feel worse because (laughs) (laughs) you have the self-awareness to realize that this is a problem. But instead of actually fixing it, you have the same character point out two or three of your plot's problems yeah that's yeah. a terrible Pick a tone look. And stick with it right exactly it ain't great it ain't yeah. great um yeah. we also have ryan a white man in this unbelievably white movie i think we can all agree even with lamorne uh morris as a, a kevin and then the actress playing michelle um it still feels very very white to me there's something about this movie and um kicking a black man while he's on the floor and unconscious it was very, very disturbing to me. It was a very disturbing image. I yeah. did not care for that. It was very disturbing. And also, like, humiliating and shaming Michelle because she slept with a guy she thought was Denzel Washington was not funny. No. I, 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 it, it felt like absolute, you know, just slut shaming or something. I don't even know what that was or what they thought they were doing. Mm-hmm. It felt incredibly racist and inappropriate. And I just thought that was super gross. And it had no point. It wasn't associated. That was a conflict that wasn't associated. I will say that I liked the chemistry between the actors. I liked the way the actors delivered. Yeah. So I was charmed by the actors and the way that they delivered the material, but the material itself not great. And every time Lamorne Morris looks at a glass table and says, glass tables are not (laughs) I'm sorry. I, yeah. I kind of I'm kind of a little bit in love with Lamorne Morris. Like there's nothing that he can do that is not going to delight me. So that's part of it. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was a little this is a little bit of an aside, but for all your longtime chipperish listeners, I'm a little shocked that there weren't three glass tables. Because <laughs> what happened? Why is to that the not three a three beat? How did we yeah. not make that a three beat? One needed to shatter, damn it. Like the most unlike one I'm that was still like waiting. One that was like yeah. eight feet thick should just shatter uh, into a million <laughs> pieces. One that they just bump with their knee as right. they walk by. That one shatters, yeah. right? You know, I mean, but you have to they set up and that's and I gotta tell you, that's the thing. It's like when you have to sneeze. And then you never sneeze that sense of like something is unfinished here. When people set up a three beat and only do two of the three beats, I feel like they should go to writer jail just for a little while. <laughs> just, to, just so they can think about what they've done. Yeah, they need to deal with three beatus interruptus. It's not appropriate. Yes. It's not okay. <laughs> It is not okay. It is not okay. Um, the the whole bleeding on the dog thing, I hated that. Okay. I think that that was so gross. Yes, it was and just, unnecessary. Oh, it's God. also and that poor dog. It's also a moment that Max becomes a complete idiot, like for yeah. no reason. Yeah. Do, is bleeding on the dog alone? Because it's this, yeah. this fluffy white dog. If you'd How be like, do you like, oh, notice shit. when you are leaking. A pint yeah. of blood. Like right. the fact that he didn't pass out, that was a lot of blood. He's hardcore, what? man. No, he, he was yeah. fine. He had no nerve endings. But I did I did kind of like the 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 media literacy teacher and me really wanted to speak up when they were like Googling about the 
bullet wound and how to fix it. But like step one is probably look for an exit wound. Right. And so yes. like just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. But yeah, all of that. Also, the, if you've watched a movie the, or a TV show ever yeah, in the history anything of those, ever, then you know to look for an exit wound, right? Yeah, maybe look for that first. But yeah. bleeding on that dog, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with these people. I, like this honestly, whole thing I is don't. just awful. If he I had, just don't, yeah. If he had only bled on the dog and then they had to sneak the dog out or something, uh-huh. right? Like if that was it, it wasn't also ruining this guy's extremely creepy shrine to extremely his failed marriage. Extremely creepy shrine to his <laughs> I, yeah, that I mean, there's another thing where yeah. you're just like, and, you just you just wonder if nobody walked on set one day and was like, the hell is this exactly? Like what? <laughs> and just points at that wall. Just as like, I'm sorry. I don't. Did I miss a meeting? Because this, why are we doing this? So it's like if yeah. there'd been one gag where he's like, oh, right. if he had bled on the dog and gone, oh, there's absolutely nothing I can do about this instead of pouring an entire Aquafina bottle on it, like... Over the carpet <sighs> that is going to be soaking wet and red. And no, all of it, it was just... And it's so disgusting it's also and gross. gross. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gross. just, it's really yeah. not. And I don't, you know, like that kind of humor also does not appeal to me. I thought that was really gross. Nope. Um, and then at the end... We get this confession from Brooks, right? Where he's like, you know, I'm I'm a cheater. I've never done anything. You were always, you know, so much better than me. And, you know, I knew it and da da da. Like I, you know, I didn't I didn't buy Panera. I ate at Panera. Like all of this kind of stuff, right? We have this whole big confession from him. First of all, that is relatively unearned because we're not in his POV. He is not our protagonist. We haven't spent any time with him. We don't know that this experience has changed him greatly, but he also went into the evening with the keys. You know, Mm -hmm. he put the keys in Max's pocket before all of this happened. So, so he is saying that he has always known this about himself, that he is always, but yet acting like a dick you know, and telling the story, the, again, the humiliation humor, yeah. the bungee cord story, if I can hate that. Um, so Brooks uh, be, is seeming to have this moment. And this is the thing that I, I talked about recently in our uh, one of our character episodes. We're talking about a character break versus a character arc. A character arc would be motivated. Like if Brooks was a dick and then he'd had this experience where he was held, you know, captive and then his brother saves him. And in that moment, he realizes what a dick he is and then changes. That is a character arc that is earned through pressure put on the character. This is a character break. This is, first of all, that he, he set up every Everything so that he could give the car to Max from the beginning, right? So this happened before any of this, you know, pressure was applied to him. Then um, he goes through this whole night where he's being a dick to Max, just in his standard everyday dickish way, even though supposedly he's already had this realization, only to give this speech, which is completely out of character with the rest of the presentation we've seen from this character. And then when we go to the epilogue, he's still breaking the law and he's still doing the same thing he's always done and still being a dick. So the Brooks character, I think, is is just a problem in general yeah and he tried to also pretend like he had set up yeah that yeah second oh, that you know, so game stupid. night at the yeah. end too like it was so dumb it was so mm-hmm. dumb um so yeah he didn't he didn't change at all um I d- and yeah I, it, and he could have like that yeah. was something that they really could have fixed mm-hmm. and changed and then he would have arced but uh yeah it was just bad yeah. 
It was bad. I don't think that Brooks. Okay, so I guess I would say I actually kind of liked the idea of Brooks, but then he kind mm-hmm. of falls apart in the execution. Like in the execution, absolutely. I love mm-hmm. the idea of Max coming to discover that his hyper competitiveness was based on bullshit, and he's still like, yeah. you know what? It's still working for me. I'm fine. Like, I would like that. I also Mm -hmm. don't mind Brooks being a con man. Like, I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't either. But Mm -hmm. it is, Mm -hmm. he should have been that the entire thing. Like, don't do the, don't do the key in your pocket. Have the one arc that he has. It's a very Mm -hmm. small one, but it's one we could actually watch, which is when he realizes that even though he's been miserable to his brother for his brother's entire life. His brother still saves him. His brother still comes for him. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what's important, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. which, which admittedly undermines the, uh found family theme a little bit but i also feel like this kind of composite family of Mm -hmm. some you know and that okay now that you've had your mini arc and i clearly have forgiven you because i saved your life now you can be part you know and so with that if that were the Mm -hmm. wet case then at the very end when he is still grifting i would be like hell yes i love this man no yeah (laughs) absolutely i would be into it but i also really don't like the fact that in order for max to get over his bullshit he has to it it has to be about brooks like brooks if brooks doesn't change and max gets over his bullshit then fine if Brooks has to be not what he appears to be and Max has that discovery in order for him to get over his bullshit then what we're saying is that Max's bullshit was always about Brooks and that it was justified that there wasn't anything wrong with that competitiveness because it isn't until he discovers that Brooks got all of his you know riches and success by cheating that suddenly he's like, oh, okay. So it would be okay for me to have this super competitive relationship with you if you were genuinely what I thought you were, you know? So it it validates that competitiveness that he had with Brooks in the first place. Although I think that we are, like the fact that he doesn't like Brooks, Brooks is an asshole. He has lots of really good legitimate reasons to to (laughs) hate Brooks. Um, I don't think that there's a good reason to like Brooks. I don't. I think that for for him to for Brooks to remain an asshole, to remain always the same guy, you know that that he that that Max knows him to be. But for Max to realize that focusing on that and feeling inadequate because of Brooks is not something that he needs to spend his time doing. That he can like grow beyond that that that's really what this should have done but they sort of sidestepped like the one big message the big moment the character arc that this whole thing is supposed to be built on i think is completely undercut by the way that they handle brooks's character yeah i can't argue yeah, with that i, I mean i i want it's another one of those things that i think is like good but needs salvaging like it's either mm-hmm. good but not great or it's kind of bad but you can see good from here right. you know i mean kyle mm-hmm. chandler kills this character the entire time and so yeah, if, if he was just mm-hmm. a miserable bastard that they were only suffering because he was in town for one night and then yes. he and then he purposefully takes over, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then that is what gets out of control. I mean, and yeah, it just there's a lot of ways that that could have been. It's almost good, I guess. Like, right. I like it. I, I guess I like the it's potential. Got potential. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely got potential. Um, so I, I'm I'm not a fan of the weird creepy Gary um I do I think I probably would have liked it if he had come in and actually saved them mm-hmm. and actually like yeah. saved the day um and they appreciated him more I think that that I would have liked it a lot better um 
I, I the humiliation stuff, I don't like any of that. Um, and there's this one line from Rachel McAdams that for some reason, like when she says, I have kids at home and he goes, not with that ass, you don't. And she goes, oh, well, thank you. You know, and I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. All of you. Yeah. You know, that there is this negation of the idea that a mother can be beautiful and maybe, you know, have a few pounds on her or whatever. Like, there's just, I don't know. It's just, I find it, it's so insulting to, I think, all women, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. Mean, I hated that one. Yeah. It's not great. I, I don't know. Maybe this is, maybe this is my maleness talking. I feel like mm-hmm. there, I feel like there's a good, joke in there but it does not belong in this movie at that moment like it belongs in a movie where we have centered a woman who is having trouble like like imagine if game night were about a woman who was trying to get like back out with friends after having a baby or something you know something that took Mm -hmm. her off uh, took her out of the circulation it's like it's not a great joke but i it it has the potential of being a good joke based on the context. I think there context. are things you can do with it, but the presumption that a mother can't have a great ass. Right. You know, the, that's like, why I want to change the context to kind right. of make if you her go, the context excuse of it, me. I do. I love her response. Like, I love Rachel McAdams, the way she goes, oh, well, thank you. Like, there's She's something adorable really cute in, in the way that yeah. she, again, again, the, the actors are great. The writing, I think, has got some real problems. Kelly, did you have? Uh, I hated that line. Yeah, mm-hmm. fashion. Um, I it just the fact that our society is structured in such a way that a man feels yeah. completely entitled to comment on the state of any woman's body, right. and she feels that she should take it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. Like that's some seriously deep, broken, toxic yes. shit. Um, and because it's so often portrayed in comedy, it gets glossed over. So no, I think that line needs to be burned to the ground and the earth needs to be salted over it. And it is absolutely never funny in any context um, because yeah. we don't we don't judge each other's bodies, period. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not funny. And, right. it, you know, so no, I didn't like it. Um, but I adore Rachel McAdams. See, but I liked I her. I liked her, her delivery on it, though, even though I hated the line. I think that's what's getting <laughs> Her me. delivery I think I'm was reacting. so charming. Yeah. But you know what? You can give her something yeah. actually funny to deliver. No, yeah. but see, I, I have a problem with it because her delivery is so right. good. Right. Like, yeah. because, because that's one more way that we're stamping. That we're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're stamping that shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. No. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Burn it to the ground. But immediately following that, there's the, he gets sucked into the uh, plane engine. Right. And she goes, <laughs> yes. And then she goes, oh, no, he died. And it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was adorable. Was it was so incredibly cute. Um, yeah. So those are all the things that are not funny and that are not working. Um, and I do think that we have a serious tonal problem. Again, Jason Bateman, you know, lampshades it with yeah. pick a tone and stick with it. Um, and I think that's good advice. And it's something that they failed to do here because we are combining this action with this comedy, which is actually a, a fairly solid combination. We've done mm-hmm. that a lot. But when when you're in serious territory, you've got to like, be in serious territory. And when you're in funny territory, you can be in funny territory. But this is a comedy that with all of the um, all of the like crazy shit that's going on and things that need to be attended to in a, in a real way, like fertility issues and the mm-hmm. things that are actually mm-hmm. serious, like people, you know, people getting killed, people getting shot like that's the fact that Jason Bateman got shot 
and didn't feel anything to me was super, super disturbing. Um, and mm-hmm. so to use those injuries as jokes, even as I loved, I didn't love that they were sewing him up. And when she slices into him and he's like, you know, you're not trying to like get a watermelon out or something like that. Like <laughs> it's terrible. I don't, I don't like the context of it, but I, I like the, like the, there's something about that scene that I still like. I would take that context out because I think that 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 gives us a lot of tonal problems that are a real issue for me in this movie. I hate the humiliation humor um, and source humor more from character, but related to the story. Again, the stuff going on with Kevin and Michelle. Again, like, honestly, the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, no, what I like is the actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, like cause... the way they deliver terrible, terrible material. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, you know, from my perspective, it's a terrible movie, but I'm curious, like, it felt incredibly long to mm-hmm. me, and I don't know if that's because I didn't like it, or if it's because it took 30 freaking minutes took to get to Game to Night, get moving. Yeah. or if it was because of all these extra side stories that we didn't need, but I was like... This felt like this whole thing could have been like an hour. Oh yeah, because um, you could have shut it, it down when would've... Gary was on the on the um, bridge saving them, and it doesn't really get yeah. started until like honestly, like that's that's the arc of the movie that you want to expand on and then move that closer to the to the beginning, which gets us to you know talking about how we would how we would fix it because I think that's part of the reason why it does feel so long because it's first of all boring. In the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, we get the cute little montage of them meeting at the beginning. That's fine. Right. And then we ba- we bookend yep. that with the epilogue. That's fine because they're short because it's just and it's also <laughs> mm-hmm. like where the credits are rolling. And so, again, doing two things at once, do that epilogue or that prologue while your credits are rolling, make it not take too long and then, OK, fine. Right. But then you've got to get your story off the ground and they fail to do that. Um, so the first thing I think in order to fix something like this is that we got to look at the the central narrative conflict. Right. And so the central narrative conflict that I saw here and tell me if you guys see this or if you see something better something else <laughs> but basically it's like max and the everybody else so i'll just call them max plus right you know <laughs> um are like a group protagonist because they have a shared goal when they finally get to the point where they actually know what what is actually happening versus the bulgarian guys the guys who kidnapped and wanted to kill brooks right yeah what else could it be like that's kind of <laughs> Yeah, it, it felt like it was supposed to be the conflict between Max and Brooks. Right, but it's really but not. But it's not an actual conflict. It's more like hurt feelings and resentment. It's mundane conflict. It's not narrative conflict. Because yeah. narrative conflict is is sourced in goals, right? And that's what you can structure yep. a narrative on. Mundane conflict is just, I'm annoyed with you, or we're bickering, or you know that kind of thing. Um, but that's not sourced through goals. And the, the, the conflict that is sourced through goals is the stuff that actually will, will structure your narrative. So, um, OK. I think now, there's one this... other candidate for yes. possible narrative conflict. And the fact what? that we can't nail it down shows there's a problem, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But the only other possibility I can think of, and, and to be honest, this kind of cuts the group protagonist out to a certain extent is that it could be an internal conflict for Max where Max is his own antagonist because Mm -hmm. he's trying to deal with his God help us low sperm count or low motility because of the stress and his brother is a source of stress 
And then, of course, this night of trying to stop his brother from being murdered is a source of stress and getting shot is a source of stress. And that might be it. But we don't yeah. land. It feels like that's what it is. They don't but structure around They don't that, structure though. around it. Yes. They don't structure or, around it. Or if they had made it with like Max and the group versus Gary. Mm-hmm. Right. Gary wants to be part of Game yeah. Night. They're blocking him. So like that's there you go. an actual But conflict. that also I think makes Gary more of your protagonist. <laughs> Well, but if he's he had come and actually save yeah. them, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you know, at the end, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's there's there's things you can do. I mean, it's just uh, I I think that I like the idea of an internal conflict. But again, Joshua, if the, if they were structuring for that, um, and that's an option, is that you have him. He realizes, you know, I I would take out the fertility story altogether. But like, the, there's there's I would probably rather than have fertility be an issue i would have something with max and annie you know where things are starting to fall apart for them because of this competitive because of the things that he does because he feels competitive with his brother that he's losing himself in that competition you know um and then so you have him you know maybe promising annie you know, this thing, I'm not going to engage in whatever it is that's going on with my brother. And then he engages in it, that he pursues it, you know. Um, And then you could do something like that where you're working with, you know, he has to save his brother. Um, But I think that what this movie is actually trying to do, and again, as you're thinking about the possible central narrative conflicts, you have to think about preserving what the movie is trying to do. What the movie, I think, is trying to do is have all of these you know, competitive game night people um, solving a game, you know, that is or solving a murder mystery or whatever um, that is that is actually real so that you have them going from a, a, a unreal sort of pretend sort of circumstance that we've been training for this. Right. If all <laughs> along they had been solving murder mysteries that this was something that they did together for mm-hmm. game night and that they were competitive about who's the best Sherlock, who's the best, you know, thing. I think that that could be fun that you're building that up. But by the end of your first act, which is like in the in 90 minute, that's like 25 minutes in, right. Um, in a 90 minute movie um, at that point, they all need to know that they are actually solving a real mystery, mm-hmm. you know, so at that point, you've got you've to do that. Um, so you've got to cut out all the stuff in the beginning. Why do we have two game nights with Brooks? Why do we have, why do they invite them over twice? Why, why, <laughs> why? I mean, there's no reason. You can compress everything that happens in the first, you know, half hour of this movie into the first like five minutes. And then you get them launched. And then by the time you're at 25 minutes, um, then at that point, you're engaging with the conflict. So you've got your first act done and we're actually in, you know, Max and the group versus the um, the Bulgarian or whoever the bad guy is who's stolen Brooks. You know, Max and the group want to they are all combined. They all need to save Brooks's life. Right. And that's what they're working on. And if you have a subplot where Max and Annie have been having a conflict over the way that he is with Brooks and through the process of saving Brooks's life, he learns something that allows him to 
smooth over that conflict with Annie, then I think that you've got something and something that also that we're invested in because we love Max and Annie, right? You know, we see yeah. that yeah. even though they're having problems, there's a reason why they're together in the first place and then we can enjoy them. Um, so I think that uh, simplifying, taking out the fertility bullshit um, and then and then working with Max's character so that he actually does need to arc out of it. If Brooks is a consistent asshole all the way through, if Brooks doesn't change at all, then Max has to in order for that conflict to to finish so that's kind of like what I see here and I think that with that you can preserve a lot of the things that are fun about this movie you know the relationship with Max and Annie um, you'd have to completely rewrite Ryan um, you'd also want to work with <laughs> I think Kevin and Michelle um, so I think that there's there's some things that you'd want to do with that um, but I mean I think that you can pretty much preserve what game night sets out to do what do you guys think? Yeah, that seems right. Um, but even just to show you how muddled the conflict that we're given is, is that we'd yeah. be talking about a pretty serious rewrite to to everything in order to tighten it up. Like like we'd have to create a, a different conflict for Max and yes. Annie or some mm -hmm. or somebody like right. I actually um uh, this is just quibbling. I kind of don't want the conflict to be with Max and Annie per se, no. because yeah. I love them. Like I want them to be I on the same side too. all the it's time. It's just one mm -hmm. option. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I, but if it was like, listen, these game nights are a little intense for the friggin' straights. Can we chill it out a little bit or we're going to lose our, our game night? You right. Know, okay. okay. No, I like that. Right. Yeah. Something like that. So mm -hmm. the Annie's like, no, I like kicking the shit out of them as much as you do. But the fact is they're going to stop coming here to get the shit kicked out of them if we don't chill out, you know. Right. And so then tonight it's like, we have to lose. Tonight we have to lose. <laughs> oh, and my so, God. And the competitive people trying to throw. I love that. And then there's this murder mystery from Brooks that they're prepared to lose, but it's killing yes. them. And right. then they realize it's an actual kidnapping and they're like, oh, shit, we actually need to win the hell out of this. Right. No, anyway, I Right, something that. like that because i also I like that even more i think that's great yes yay i'm winning how story works this you week. are um. winning how story works <laughs> fix it yes well and i'd like to see more like related to game yeah so like if that's the the spirit of this movie right then we we've got them being a, a little bit competitive but there's more to gaming than competitiveness like yeah, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. the game right there's there's more that goes into right. that um, so like at one point when they were, you know, at the plane and they were trying to push the big heavy thing on the back, <laughs> like they were doing charades right. for that, but it didn't work. But if, if that, like take those skills and those rituals and that shared language that they all have from all this mm -hmm. gaming and make that yeah. work to like support their goals and come into what they're doing, like that would have felt much more layered and rich. And I think it would have brought a lot in to you know to like that whole idea mm -hmm. of game night right because th there's just a lot more to it than coming in to win right a game. Mm -hmm. i think yeah. that uh yes reworking the other couple's subplots mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. is is yeah. also would also be part of this i mean i'll here's my thought for ryan uh that i think would actually so i think writing one of your characters as the idiot is really mm -hmm. bad um, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, yeah. there's just too much bad going on with Ryan. It's super lazy yeah. to just make him dumb. And he believes everything yeah. he reads on the internet and mm -hmm. he dates Instagram models. So he's shallow. Right. He's shallow mm -hmm. and he's dumb. Why the hell are we friends with him? Why do we care? Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if we made Ryan 
this was the thing I was thinking dur during the whole movie where I was like, instead of believing everything from fucking BuzzFeed listicles, what mm -hmm. if Ryan is super genre savvy and he keeps oh, saying it. genre savvy stuff that turns out to be right? Like, I'll tell you what, rich it. people do is have fight clubs in their basements. That's what's up. And everybody's <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. And he's like, I've read it in four different completely trash paperback novels this week. You know, something. <laughs> yes. And then that would explain. it's a genre savvy thing. And especially that it comes from reading. Like, yeah. give him something. He you reads know? all the trash fiction, like yeah, all the trash genre. Everything. He and he always it. believes. But that yes. would be so funny, though, is if every week Ryan loses because he brings in that genre savvy <laughs> into these stories or whatever and into these like fake things. But then the genre actually applies to real life would be yeah. really, really funny that one of these like ridiculous things that happen in one of his books. I absolutely love that. I think that's fantastic. I don't <laughs> have as clean a fix for Kevin and Michelle, honestly, because I never mm -hmm. entirely buy that there is an actual conflict there, you know? Yeah, but I, I think, think they need to. Yeah. They need to take out the Denzel thing and the conflict needs to be about, you know, this particular thing. It needs to feed into whatever it is that they're doing that night. Now, what is it that they would do? I mean, the thing that I really want for um, for Kevin and Michelle is that we have a black couple. Right. You know, here, like. Let's comment on how fucking white all of this is, you know, <laughs> like, like, I mean, let's yeah. let's have some acknowledgement of of some of those things, because I think that we just tend to like accept this this very white perspective on things as the default and allowing a black couple to look at each other and be like fucking white people man you know like i mean <laughs> i actually i think funny. would appreciate that you know like some some open acknowledgement yeah. or or have three black couples and one white yeah. couple sure like i you know i mean what freaking what this how up. could that we could never I make this movie I'm being facetious. Call Friends, I'm being facetious. Like, I know. Yes, that's exactly. But it is, you know, yeah. And also, I think have um, women uh, read the script and have <laughs> black people read the script and have like yeah. have people read the script who are not white men, I now, think can really help. Now, the way that I feel if we have to keep this subplot, which is pretty low key, right? Like it mm -hmm. doesn't really affect the rest right. of the thing but it, but if we went back to uh max and annie trying to throw the game but mm -hmm. one of the couples met that day right that's ryan and and yeah. um mm -hmm. well, I, sarah sarah mm -hmm. uh and the other couple is accidentally in the middle of a very unexpected marital spat and it's right. like they're <laughs> on their worst game how are we supposed to throw this and then it kind of exactly. justifies no, itself no i love that oh the i love thing, that oh, no, I like yeah. that. The other thing I like for Kevin and Michelle is if in the most dire point in the movie, if they had been like, oh, thank God, it's Denzel Washington. We're saved. And Denzel had been like, I don't know who you are. And she'd be like, look, I've got a picture. And he would be like, um, that's not me. I'm going right. to go. You're all crazy. You know that. You could play with something like that. I mean, anyway, I, yeah, if I you had so. to have yeah. it, I think that's... If you and had maybe, to have that story, yeah. it should feed into the main plot line. It should be part of it. Like uh, Ryan's stupid fight club thing, right? right? Ends up being part of the story, you know? Right. Um, so like if there's some kind of something to bring it back, but Kevin and Michelle felt very separate from everybody else. Yeah. And the fact that they are the only black couple, like they're the only... I, 
Um, well, we have we have Jeffrey Wright who comes in, who's the fake FBI guy, right? Brian yeah. Kids, but so we've got him. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of diversity in this story, and diversity in the cast and diversity in the storytelling are actually two different things, right? Um, yeah. So we have to have diverse perspectives in the stories that we tell, and this does not feel diverse in its perspective. Um, so I think that having some of that in there, I think, could make that a little bit better. And Kevin and Michelle are an opportunity to um, to kind of bring a wider perspective into the story rather than kind of like smushing them into a very, what feels to me like a very white perspective. There's a lot of running around and driving really fast and pointing guns at people that gets a lot less entertaining. Yeah. If it's not a bunch of uh, middle to upper class white people, right? Exactly. Well, because they, that feels safe. That's fucking dangerous. Yes. fucking dangerous yeah. but it know? feels safe yeah. because they're white and it would feel a lot less safe if they weren't and it's not safe for a black man to go running R- yeah forget right. running around or riding in a car that's going fast where there's guns flying all over the place i mean yeah so i think the the reality of our our world as it is is being actively ignored within the 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 experience of this movie and that i find um yeah it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me and then you know we have black people in the movie who are not who are also not living in the real world that mm-hmm. we actually have to live in mm-hmm. and it's that lack of acknowledgement that contributes to the brainwashing and the gaslighting that gives us our current cultural situation that we've got because we are not allowing our, our stories to live within the real world that actually encompasses perspectives where they're like this shit's gonna get me killed <laughs> asshole yeah. who do you think is gonna get arrested and killed here the white people right no you know so i mean yeah it's it's i think a a uh, uh, something that needs to be acknowledged in our stories and which is not getting acknowledged. And I, and I want to say, um, I think that you can do that without making the tone yes. of the film necessarily overly dark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. My, my family and I've been watching black lightning lately mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. without going too far down the rabbit trail, it was just a moment where I was like, I love how black this show is. Right. Um, yes. Because at mm-hmm. one point they're trying to do something very progressive with their daughter and oh. Jefferson, uh, our main character turns to his wife and says, are we sure we're doing the right thing? Cause you know, my dad would call this a bunch of white people mess. And I, <laughs> and I was like, Hey, yeah, that's exactly what I want from this movie. I just want it acknowledged. Yeah. 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 And then and they Mm kind of have then they have a conversation about it and it's all fine. But that line just made me laugh because I was thinking about like my black friends and talking about how um, just how strict their parents Mm -hmm. were, you know, Mm -hmm. and and of course, wrapped up in that is some real world stuff that it was like we were strict with you because if you get out there and mess up, who knows what will happen? You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But so you had all this like real stuff wrapped into that line but that line was funny and i just feel like that's the way you could do it um but you're gonna have to yeah you're that joke is not gonna occur to any white writer it's just not right which is why we and again that's why i'm gonna 
bang this gong again that we need more diverse writers and directors and people who can like it doesn't have to be a very special episode sit down and discuss <laughs> these racial issues yeah. you can be funny but this is the thing is that it needs to be present the consciousness of the reality of our world needs to be present in the story or it's gaslighting and um and you can be present in a way that is funny in a way that acknowledges it without making it about that um that this is just how our world is i think that we need to really start doing that and i think that's why especially when we have the moment where where ryan kicks jeffrey wright on the floor i it that yeah, that, that hit me okay. in the gut so mm -hmm. hard and i was i was really upset by that and by that being treated as like a funny thing um it's just it's just not it's a weird know? choice like you're mm -hmm. at that point he thinks he's an actual FBI agent. So it's like, I yeah, don't understand. Like, that guy's really out. Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. I don't understand that joke at all. And so, so all of that was supposed to circle back to the central narrative conflict because, because yes. mm -hmm. we're making our secondary narrative conflicts right. feed back into the main yes. one. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like doing that on one side, like doing mm -hmm. that and just leaving Ryan the idiot seems like yeah. the laziest option and doing mm -hmm. it from the other side, but just ignoring these people's blackness in this situation yes. also doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Like you're missing opportunities for comedy in both yeah, with a little more realism. Good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that there's a lot of things that you can do. To fix this movie that will then, you know, fix the um, like, we'll we'll still preserve all of the things that 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 maybe not all of us like about it, Kelly, um, but, that, <laughs> but that it's it's trying to do for the people who do like it. No, but much like Hitch, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we are right now building a movie that Kelly yeah. would think was much funnier. Like she still might be like, nah, this is still some hack bullshit and I'm not dealing with I it. But I did laugh. I think she might hate it as I much. did laugh, right? <laughs> I might hate it I might hate it less. But Kelly is not I a comedy girl. So less. the next fix that we do has to be not a comedy because I've well, made no, poor Kelly suffer so much. Like I am, I am fine with being pushed outside of my yes. comfort zone because like I, you know, but just this isn't my go-to story mm -hmm. um but i had fun talking to you it was it. very fun it was very fun and joshua i'm really i really like what you brought to the fix it conversation on this i think that your yes. ideas were actually like much much better than mine so I, um <laughs> i love that all right oh my god wait hold on am i talking to two competitive co-hosts that like except <laughs> reverse competitiveness that, like no you're really the great one no 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 you're really y'all are both fabulous and brilliant dr you jones know it. I love you more. Yes. All right. So. <laughs> also, also, if we're just being real, I wasn't going to argue. Like I was just, <laughs> I was just going to accept that lavish praise. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So at the end of How Story Works, we talk about loving what we love this week. So Kelly, what stories have you been engaging with that you do love this week? Um. Okay. So this is borderline okay. comedy. So I thought this All was right. interesting. My pearls. Um. I watched <laughs> Demolition Man. From I think it's nineteen ninety. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, and Sandra uh -huh. Bullock, and I thoroughly enjoyed okay. it. And there was stuff that made me laugh that probably was not designed <laughs> to make me laugh. But uh, all of the Brave New World references running through it, and some of the humor, and I found it very catchy and very enjoyable, and also very thought provoking. 
Um, so I was very surprised how much I ended up in, enjoying it, but I really did. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. All right, Joshua, what stories yeah. are you engaging with that you love this week? Okay, I've got a couple that I want to throw mm-hmm. out there. One, because I just am unvarnished appreciating it and the other one because i'm kind of having to learn to appreciate it Ooh. Mm-hmm. so the one that i am unabashedly enjoying is that uh thanks to conversation in the chipperish discord mm-hmm. we have started doing uh comic book arc rereads mostly mm-hmm. for some people they're rereads for other people they're new reads right and then we will switch it's a whole thing right So this week, we have been rereading the Action Comics storyline that happened after uh, DC's New 52 reboot. Listen, forget all that shit. Nobody understands that except for the people that understand it. So those people are with me. The bottom line is this story is like a Superman year one story. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a, it's like a young Clark Kent just to Metropolis. It's all T-shirt and jeans and boots, Superman, you know, um, that progresses. It arcs him from that like real like hanging rich people off of a building and fighting cops and the military guy mm-hmm. to saving all of Metropolis guy. Right. Without yeah. stopping being the first thing. So it's really great. It's fantastic. Um, art's beautiful. The writing's amazing. Love it unabashedly. Check it out. And if you do it, come talk to us in the Discord chat. The one I'm working at a little bit is Mm -hmm. we have accidentally paid for a month of HBO. And (laughs) that means uh, that my wife decided I had to watch The Leftovers. Oh, right. I love it. It's one of my favorite shows ever. So, well, we'll, let's get into it. So, The Leftovers... has phenomenal casting, phenomenal acting. There is no actual story, however. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, and that was a thing that really bothered me through most of season one, because I kept waiting for an actual narrative to happen, and it does not. It's like a literary novel turned into a TV show, and that's Mm -hmm. fine. Like, I'm not even harsh in that. It's just, I need some way for that to be told to me before I start watching the show so I know what to expect. Mm. Because you've got all this, you've got all these, like, threads of mystery, and I'm just like, hot damn, I cannot wait for all these threads of mystery to come together in a way that illuminates me and tells me more about these people. Keep fucking waiting friends oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so if you want like clear answers you're really gonna hate no i'm fine now um okay okay okay, good good how far did you finish it all Uh, we finished all of season one we've barely started season two and i'm already like in a much better place about it because i'm like i don't care what narrative fuckery you do i know it's not about that (laughs) and it's freeing and it's It's... great i can just watch these really interesting characters and personalities bounce off one another without expecting it to come to any kind of actual narrative culmination and again Uh this sounds like i'm being shady and i'm not it's just i wish i I had known that going into the first season. You know what I think to expect. I really would have enjoyed it a lot more. Whereas mm-hmm. I, my actual yeah. experience was appreciating all of the like performances and things like that, but being frustrated waiting for the story to start. You know? Ah, uh, yeah. So no, it's good. Uh, so yeah. I am, I am very entertained. Uh, I'm, I am enjoying it, but I'm obviously enjoying it a lot more now that I know what kind of thing it is. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, there's some kind of yeah. lesson in there for 
your marketing copy <laughs> yes. on your book or the yes. way you do your cover or I don't know how setting TV shows expectations. do it. Yeah. yeah, setting your expectations mm-hmm. is everything. And a lot of times things will get marketed as something that they are not because they're like, it'll it'll sell, you know, it'll get right. eyeballs or yeah. whatever. But in the end, people are going to be disappointed. And it's really, really funny that you should mention The Leftovers because um, I was recently a guest on the Storm podcast talking about Lost, which of course was written by Damon Lindelof uh, and Carlton Cuse, but Damon Lindelof went off to do The Leftovers. And when I was talking to Joanna Robinson on that show, she was like, oh, my God, you have to watch The Leftovers and then tell me what you thought. And I'm like, OK. And uh, so now I'm glad yeah. that I've been warned because I think that's the kind of thing that would have probably bugged me. Oh, your head would have exploded oh. yeah. off yeah. your shoulders. Yeah. I, I really want to hear what you think about it, though. It is rare for me to love a television show as much as I love. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, and, and from the first five minutes of the first episode, like I was fully in. And but, you know, I, I have such a different mm-hmm. aesthetic when it comes to story than you do. So, like, I'm really curious maybe how that plays out, because, Joshua, I think you're right. Like, this is literary dystopian mm-hmm television and it's not what we would expect in terms of narrative structure and I I am really fascinated it. I can't wait to watch it um, well and speaking of all that I actually my thing was lost because um, I, I <laughs> mentioned lost in on Twitter and Joanna asked me to come and talk on the show and I was like okay so I had to catch up with everything in like a week so I caught up with everything oh, up to the episode that we were going to talk about we talked about that episode now I'm watching the rest of it and I'm almost done and I had forgotten how much I love that show and how much I enjoy that show, even with the the issues. And there are some issues. I'm in season six now. And I think that's where things start getting really a little bit much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I'm really like I'm so enjoying watching it. And I am remembering like deeply revisiting this unbelievable crush that I have on Josh Holloway. There is a there's a dark and beardy thing I just have going on. I love me a dark and beardy guy. And um, so I have been enjoying the hell out of Josh Holloway lately. It has been delightful. Yeah. Well, I, it, it's impossible not to enjoy Josh yeah. Holloway. And, but Sawyer, you know, Sawyer. with his glasses and his books. Like, oh, oh All right. We got to do a Lost I podcast someday. But today is not that day. <laughs> Joshua Unruh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It was always, it's always so much fun to hang out with you. And I love having you here. Tell people where they can find you. Well, okay. If it sounds like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to putting together a story, I have written some. And you can find all of them. <laughs> At joshuaunruh.com, J-O-S-H-U-A-U-N-R-U-H.com. It's got links to all your favorite uh, online bookstores. So, you know, you can go there and check that out. (laughs) I'm also reading them slowly but surely on my Mixer stream. Uh, So, Uh like, I'm doing a chapter or two live, but, but that's probably not the best way to do it unless you start a new one like when i start a new story because right yeah the old videos fall off and then you're like wait (laughs) chapter six there's only like two other videos (laughs) anyway uh so that's where you can find that and then i do plenty of podcasts about superheroes in addition to the one that i do with lonnie uh listen Mm -hmm. up a-holes i also have one where we're taking a look at all of the dc animated universe uh that Mm -hmm. accidentally created itself from batman the animated series (laughs) Um, and we're we're working our way forward slowly but surely. I believe we're up to 1995 
now. So we're mm-hmm. a couple of years in into that. Um, and that's an animated discussion. So if you like the sound of any of those podcasts, you can find them all at Pulp Diction with a D dot biz, B-I-Z. All right. Thank you so much, Joshua, for hanging out with us today. Thank you, Joshua. No problem. I'm just happy to be a part of it. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie9Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag HowStoryWorks. HowStoryWorks and everything Chipperish Media produces is made free and ad-free by the generous patrons who support us to the tune of $1 a month or more and make it possible for us to realize we never actually slept with Denzel Washington. Visit patreon.com slash Chipperish to find out more. This episode of How Story Works was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why How Story Works is coming to you free and ad-free right now. And this week's special message for our power producers. Who cares about winning? Let's get drunk. <laughs> Visit patreon.com slash to find out how you too can become a How Story Works producer. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or pick a tone and stick with it. We will be back in two weeks with the How Story Works Conversation Season 1 finale episode, Character Q&A. So send your questions in to Lonnie at Chipperish.com or tag us on Twitter with hashtag HowStoryWorks. Until then, you didn't invest in Panera? I ate at Panera. (laughs) 